Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 32 called The Golden Calf. One writer said that this section is almost like someone committing adultery on their wedding night. Because Israel has made a commitment to God. They've heard the ketubah. They've heard the covenant contract. They've heard the requirements. And they have responded in the affirmative. I mentioned to you that when I do a wedding, I will say, you know, I will give a charge. Do you promise to do this, 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 and this? And the the groom will say, I will. I'll say to the almost bride, do you promise to do this, this, this? And she says, I will. And then they'll do vows to one another. Do you take this person to be so forth and so on? And they seal the covenant with family watching. And they say, as God is my witness, I give you my promise. Well, Israel has made that commitment. All that the Lord has said, we will do. We will be obedient. And then the blood sealed the covenant and a covenant meal. But it didn't take long, did it? Until the the way they talk about Moses, you would think that he was just some stranger. That guy who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know where he's gone, right? We need a new leader. (laughs) We need a new God. That's how fickle the people are. But these things have been written for our instruction and for our encouragement that we would not repeat the same mistakes that Israel made. Amen? And so we need to learn what are the things that move us away from the Lord? What are the gods with a small g that cause us to be enamored At the first sign of trouble, the people's tendency was to return to Egypt. And I think the more that you mature in the Lord, the more perhaps you will fight that. But I think it's an ever-present thing that you have to be aware of, that when the Lord doesn't make sense, when things are difficult, when there are divine delays, it can be difficult. And you can start to say, what do I do now? What is going on with God? And perhaps you start thinking about going back to Egypt. And maybe that's, for you, something that you would say, that's exactly what I tend to do. I tend to want to return to the same old things that I'm used to. Is he coming back? You can hear the talk in the camp. Has he permanently abandoned us? Has he left us to find our own way? Well, all these things come up, and Ephraim the Syrian wisely commented, that the absence of Moses simply gave the Israelites the opportunity, listen to this, quote, to worship openly what they have been worshiping already in their hearts, close quote. You know, sometimes at the first sign of trouble, it will reveal where we're at, what kind of depth we have. I heard a phone call into a radio program, and uh, the caller was talking about marriage and talking about commitment and stuff like that. And vows that are taken and reasons that people could perhaps, you know, move on from a marriage and all of that. And the host of the show said these words, and I thought that they were very powerful. He said, look, when we make an oath before God, when we make a commitment, it all comes down to one word, and the word is integrity. And here's the question. 
When you make a commitment or a vow, are you the kind of person that keeps it or the kind of person that breaks it? And what will it take for you to say, well, yeah, I said that before a group of witnesses, and yeah, I said that and and I sealed that before God, but now things are different. Now I'm tempted to move away from that. And it does come down to integrity. I want you to think about it in another sense. Think about how many people have made public professions of faith in Jesus Christ. We were just talking in the prayer room, and someone was sharing about a person who was a pastor who says they're no longer a Christian. Well, what is that all about? Did not that person enter into a new covenant with the Lord? Did not that person make a public proclamation in their baptism? Yes. Did they not say to the Lord, okay, if you're inviting me into this new covenant, I will. Isn't that the essence of a sinner's prayer? Whether there's a sinner's prayer in the Bible or not, when one says, I will follow you, when one says, yes, you will be my Lord and my Savior, that is a covenant. We call it the new covenant, sealed in the blood of Christ, participated in in the uh, communion when we take the Lord's Supper, amen? It is a, you could say the covenant was ratified in the blood, but we we go into baptismals and we take of the Lord's Supper and you could say in some ways we renew the commitment, but the commitment is there. We are married to the Lord. We are the bride of Christ. Amen? Amen. But just like in human marriages, they all don't always end really well. We'd like to think that when people make vows to one another and commit before God and use oath languages, that they're going to ride off into the sunset together until they go home to be with the Lord. In fact, the vows do say, till death (laughs) do we part, right? But here's the thing. Israel got impatient. And the covenant vow that they had made not too long before this was now thrown to the wayside. And I'm going to ask you a question that I think is something you all need to wrestle with because it's one I've got to wrestle with. When I say I'm committed, when I make my commitment declaration, am I true to it? I think that this is really what the Lord wants of all of us, yet I know that all of us would say, yes, there are times when we are tempted. There are times when maybe one party does not keep the covenant. We all know the complications and uh, things that go with that. But here they are, and they have now gathered around Aaron. The idea of gathering around Aaron, if you take a look at verse 1, when they, the people assembled about Aaron, the three times that, that that is used, that word is used by Moses, all has to do with aggression and pressure. They haven't just gathered around Aaron as in the idea of, hey, let's talk. There's an ominous threat. They gather around Aaron with this idea in mind. You are going to do what we want you to do. They are now about to wrest control for themselves. Someone might put it this way. If, if this bus ain't going anywhere, then I'm going to take the wheel and drive the bus. It's time to get going. Make a God for us, Aaron. And this is what happens. The people gather around. We don't know how many people it was, but the idea is that Aaron was being pressured by the people. Peer 
pressure. We think it's only for kids in the schoolyard. Oh, that ain't true. Peer pressure happens to all of us, right? In today's culture, peer pressure is about ethics. It's about choices. It's about morality. It's about a lot of different things, amen? And there are things that are happening like a tidal wave that are coming at the people of God. And many are giving way, brethren. Many are, it's too much for them. They, they don't want to stand against the tide, and I get why. And I think we need great wisdom in our day. But here is Aaron, and they surround him, and here's what they ask. They say, come make us a God. The word God there is Elohim. It's actually plural. It could be uh, gods, make us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. Make us a God that's more suitable for us, one that can show up right now on demand. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading a, a commentary, and the commentator said, you know, the thing about golden calves is that they have eyes, but they cannot see, ears, but they cannot hear. They demand nothing from you. There's no reason to fear them because they are nothing, and so they ask nothing of you. And for many people, it's preferable to go in this direction, to make something in the image that I want to make it so that I can go the way I want to go. This is uh, Psalm 106. Let's turn together, Psalm 106. So we have Old Testament commentary on this scene in a few places. Psalm 106 is one of them. And the psalmist is recounting the events that are before us, Psalm 106. And here's what he says. This is beginning in verse 9, Psalm 106, verse 9. Thus he, God, rebuked the Red Sea, 106.9, and dried it up. And he led them through the deeps as through the wilderness. So he saved them from the hand of the one who hated them and redeemed them from the hand of of the enemy, all these great moments in the history of the Exodus. And the waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left. Psalm 106, verse 12. And they believed his words and they sang his praise. Yet notice what happened. They quickly forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but craved intensely in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. Down to verse 19. They made a calf in Horeb and worshiped a molten image. Horeb is another name for Sinai. And thus they exchanged their glory, that is God, for the image of an ox that eats grass. Some of you, uh, this is sounding very familiar because it's Romans one twenty three. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for corruptible beasts and so forth. That's Romans 1, verse 23. And so they exchanged their glory, their God, for an image, an ox that eats grass, and they forgot their Savior. I wrote in my notes, Oh, Lord, I am sorry for all that we put you through and all that you put up with us, with from us and from this rebel world. They forgot the God who saved them, who had done great things in Egypt, wonders in the land of Ham, awesome things by the Red Sea. Therefore, he said that he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to turn away his wrath from destroying them. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can watch Pastor Michael's teachings in their entirety. 19 chapters later! You're off the hook! We know sometimes you hear Pastor Michael mention slides, and we have made sure you have access to all the videos from his Sunday teachings. The modern application could be the power of the sword with, for example, a police officer. Watching the videos can also be a good way to see how animated Pastor Michael can be on stage. Even if you have to gulp after you've prayed it. And Lord, one more thing, not... My will. <laughs> you can watch the video from today's teaching when you visit walkintruth.com. We also live stream one of our Sunday morning services. Pastor Michael prefers you attend your church Sunday mornings or visit our church, Living Truth Christian Fellowship, as fellowship is important. But you are invited to watch the 10:30 a.m. Pacific Time service anytime. Jesus is coming again. Do you believe it? To watch Pastor Michael's teachings and to follow our YouTube channel for live streams, you can find the links and information on walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. To turn away his wrath from destroying them. Time and again, God delivered them, saved them. We have to remember back to Exodus 32 that they were getting the manna every day from God, that the visible presence of God was up on Mount Sinai. It's not like they couldn't see the glory of God and didn't have the provision of God. And yet they still asked for a God or a golden calf. And for us, we have every day, we see the glory of God in the heavens and what he's made. We see his provisions in our lives every day, amen? Yet we are still, you know, sometimes moved or tempted to go that way, the way of the idol. And this is what they did too. And so they gather around Aaron. And Aaron said to them, Exodus 32, 2, no, don't do it. No, this shouldn't happen. Just be a little bit more patient. Moses will be back. Hey, I was up in, in, in uh, a few days ago, and I saw God. I saw the God of Israel. We ate a covenant meal before him. Do you remember the blood of the covenant? Do you remember the promises that we made to God? None of that. No objections from Aaron. No uh, you know, back and forth. Nothing. <laughs> From Moses' brother, the first high priest of Israel. I've ever been there before. The pressure of the multitude comes, maybe catches you off guard. And instead of taking a stand, you back down rather quickly. Maybe it's at work. Maybe people talk about a, a, a contemporary issue like abortion or homosexuality. And it's very difficult to speak out because you know what's going to happen, right? Maybe you'll be the lone voice of, of, you know, on the biblical side, if you will. Maybe you'll be seen in a certain way. I don't know what was going on with Aaron. I don't know how much this had built up over time. I don't know how intimidating the people at the front of the circle looked. I don't know if Aaron uh, maybe feared for his life. 
Maybe Aaron had heard the talk. Maybe this was building up over time and Aaron had heard people talking. He ain't coming back. We got to do something. He ain't coming back. Maybe Aaron began to believe he was the next leader. Maybe Moses wasn't coming back. Maybe God would take him up to heaven. Who knows? So Aaron had his issues. He was a human. He had his doubts. And he says to them, tear off the gold rings which are in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. Then all the people tore off the gold rings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. Not one objection. Not one question. Nothing. Oh, Aaron, what happened to you? What is going on? And these dynamics, you know, it can be hard. I want you to imagine probably a pretty significant group of people coming to Aaron and demanding of him. Look ahead just for a second, 3221. Moses said to Aaron when he confronts him later on, what did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? And Aaron said, don't let your anger, uh, let the anger of my Lord burn. You know the people yourself that they are prone to evil. For they said to me, make a God for us who will go up before us. For this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. And so I said to them, whoever has any gold, let him tear it off. So they gave it to me and I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. Poof. What am I going to do? You know, you know how the people are. You know how difficult and prone to evil they can be? So I said, all right, give me your gold, give me your earrings, and we threw it into the fire, and poof, out came this calf. One of the lamest excuses in the Bible comes from the first high priest of Israel. And I know that you and I can say we've all probably had our moments when we surprised ourselves and perhaps even disappointed ourselves when there's been peer pressure. It can be hard to take a stand. And Moses asked Aaron, what did they do to you? What happened to you? Well, the people, you know how they are. And so Israel's sin was egregious. And God will say to Moses that he's going to wipe the people of Israel off the face of the earth. And Moses intercedes Apparently, says one writer, few things get under God's skin as much as disloyalty and faithlessness. Yet God declares that he is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. And he does forgive them, and they do move forward together. That's our God, amen? I mean, the number of times that I can think of, especially in my early days as a believer, saying, I'm never going to do this again, I'll never do that again, and going back to the gods of Egypt. I did it. I'm not proud of it, but I did it. And the good news about God's grace is that my falls started to spread out more and more until finally those things were in the rearview mirror. It does happen, and there is hope for all of us, yet we know the proneness of our heart, especially when we're not immersed in the things of God. And so he took these things, notice from their hand, verse 4, he fashioned or shaped it with, an, with a graving tool. So we know he lied to Moses. He actually made this thing. And he made it into a molten calf. The calf is a young bull, a symbol of fertility in Egypt and other places, and of power. And they said, when uh, 
Aaron had put this thing together. And I will tell you that having to, you know, kind of get the gold down to a place where he could work with it and then construct this thing had to take some time. And so there was a process here. He got the gold and then he worked with it, melted it down, worked with it, did whatever he did to finally construct this calf. Why did he make a calf? Why a golden calf? Well, it's something that he knew. He came from a land where the calf was worshipped. Maybe this is the only thing that he could think of in terms of a form, or at least maybe it was the most prominent one that he could think of. And so he makes this golden calf, fashions it with a tool, and then the people respond with these words. They said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Can you imagine being Aaron? And, you know, you, you've walked this out to the point where you've actually constructed an idol. And then the people acclaim the God, the false God. And I don't know what Aaron's emotions must have been, but I think Aaron must have dropped his head in shame. This is not our God. Our God is up on the mountaintop giving Moses instructions. By the way, the first two commandments that he's going to walk down with are, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. And the second commandment is, don't make an idol and bow down to it. Oy vey. The first two they've already blown. And that's why when Moses comes down with the tablets, he throws them to the ground. You've been listening to The Golden Calf, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 32, 1-6. through If you missed any part of today's program or Parts 1 or 2, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And would you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this radio station? The same if you're listening on podcast. You can always just click that share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then hopefully they will do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, as I sit here and record uh, a few days back, the shooting took place in the Nashville, Tennessee school, Christian school. And it's raised a a lot of different things about, you know, what's going on in our culture. And, you know, everybody kind of jumps on the, the side of the aisle that they belong. And uh, they think that this is the reason that's the reason they're to blame. It's to blame. And I know it gets exhausting for all of us. And sometimes as a Christian, we we don't even know sometimes how to stand or what to do or maybe even sometimes how to make sense of all this stuff. I mean, what do we do? What is the posture of a Christian in times like this? Well, I think it's it's what it's always been. We cling to Christ. We preach the hope of the gospel. We take biblical stands. We try to do it with gentleness and respect, but we... We know God's a God of love, a God of truth, but also a God of justice. He's a God that, you know, love doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, it rejoices in the truth. But we were all once lost. We were all once 
hateful and hating one another, the book of Titus says, and then the the kindness of God appeared in Christ. We we need such wisdom to find the balance of speaking out against the darkness and also showing the the love of Christ and that that tension can only be found as you walk in the spirit. That balance, maybe we would say, as you walk in the Spirit. I know these are hard times, but I would just say, if they drive you back to the Lord, if it drives our nation back to the Lord, if it makes us do some soul searching to like a Psalm 139 prayer, search my heart, Lord, if there's any hurtful way in me, lead me in the everlasting way. You can look at Psalm 139, the very end of the uh, Psalm. Those could be good things. They drive you back to God and drive you to do more for the kingdom of God. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. We've been going through the golden calf incident in the book of Exodus, and the people of God turned back to the idol, and it was ugly, and it was a a devastating day in the life of the nation. But it pointed to a, a day coming when the Holy Spirit would be poured out on the day of Pentecost. And uh, we will do a part three right here on, on Walk in Truth tomorrow as we'll focus on the Word of God and the glory of God. So I pray you'll join us. Have a tremendous day. See you then. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month or you can always give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 32, one through six, called The Golden Calf. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.